Hello and welcome to the Wednesday episode of the Utility Man podcast. I'm your host Bryce Zashi and today we talk about NASCAR from Indianapolis and we'll preview the Michigan race for next week. And we also talk about the MLB Field of Dreams game. We discuss a little bit of that and we preview next year's Field of Dreams game and look at the teams and how exciting that could be with special guest Brett Kelly. We also look at some NBA news from around the league this week and it all starts right now. Hello, I'm Bryce Zachi. We're here to talk about the first part of this week's podcast. We have Brett Kelly joining the show later to talk about some other stuff. But right now, we're going to talk about the M- some NBA news. And some of it I like, and most of it I don't like. This is not a good week of NBA news for me. So, first of all, the, M- the uh, Philadelphia 76ers gave Joel Embiid a big extension. It's a Supermax deal. I think it's four or five years. For 180-some mil. A lot of cash. Uh, this is not a good deal. And I'll tell you why. Joel Embiid, injury-prone. His 76ers can't win. And, well, they, I mean, they, they, they win the regular season, but they can't get over the hump. And Joel Embiid is a really inconsistent player. But last year, he was very good. So I I don't know why. I don't, I don't, I don't understand this deal. It's not like, really a good thing in my eyes. I mean, if you can build the right pieces around him, then, yeah, you might have a good team. But a deal this big for a guy that's shown real inconsistency and an inability to come up big in the playoffs, I don't understand. He's just inconsistent. But at times, he can be very good. I will say that for sure. At times, he can be great. He can be MVP level. But not all the time. Now, here's the one I really want to talk about. The Los Angeles Clippers traded Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, another player for Eric Bledsoe from, I believe, the Grizzlies. This is even worse for the Clippers, that is. They lost Patrick Beverly, who was in part of the heart, the heart and soul of their team, even though I hate the guy. He's so annoying. Like, he's just, ugh. I don't want to talk about Patrick Beverly. He's so annoying. But... Like, he'll get in your face with trash talk you. No, he's, he, he doesn't really do much else. He can't shoot. He plays good defense. Uh, Ronjon Rondo, he passes the ball. That's pretty much it. And then I don't, know, I don't know who the other player is. It's just another player. For Eric Bledsoe, a guy who literally got traded off a eventual championship team because he was the, he was the weak link and got replaced. And now he's going to a team that's looking to win a championship with a weak link from a championship team, essentially. This is horrible. Like, this is like the the Lakers from this year. Well, not, no, not the Lakers from this year, but like, like I'm trying to find a LeBron team. Now let's do a Jordan team. This is like if Jordan and Jordan and the Bulls in about the '90s, they 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 got a weak link from another team who was, like, just, like, an up-and-coming team, and they traded the one guy who really helped him get over the top, who didn't help, who didn't really help the team at all. The Bulls traded for that guy, and you give up Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen for him. It's a little bit of an exaggeration, but that's, that's, but that's what Beverly and Rondo bring. They're a starting point guard and a backup point guard, essentially. I mean, Beverly is a good defensive player. He... Uh, he can make layups. <laughs> I don't know if that's much else to say about his offensive game. 
Rondo can score a little bit. He is a great pass passing guy, can run the floor really well. But for Eric Bledsoe, not worth it. Not at all. Eric Bledsoe, he stinks. Like, I mean, he, he, he can shoot, I guess. He's a little undersized. I think he's like six foot. For the NBA, that is. In real life, that's pretty big. But I, I just don't understand why you had to trade this, like, Beverly for this. I think Beverly just got traded again, actually. I just looked at the, I just, I just looked at my phone, and I see Beverly got traded again. <laughs> I guess nobody wants Beverly? Like, what's, what is up? Now he's going to the Timberwolves. Like, what's up with this? This is not, this is not really good. I, I, I don't have anything to say here. This is just not. Like, Eric Bledsoe got, you already heard, he got, he got traded because he's the wink link from a championship winning team. And look, they're, look, the, the Bucks won a championship now because they got Drew Holiday instead of him. And now a team that's wanting to win a championship goes and gets him. This is terrible. Why would you want to make this move? It's so bad. I, whatever. Uh, in other news, we, we won't, you, did you, you probably didn't think I was going to cover football on here, but I will. But it's just the off season. We're coming. To, we're coming to about that time. Uh, when after my fantasy football draft on September the fourth, I'll break down my team on here. That might be my first big football thing. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about Tim Tebow getting released today. That's a joke. Uh, Tim Tebow as a tight end was kind of a joke, just for press to sell jerseys and stuff. Uh, he just got cut today. So yeah, that's probably what should happen from the beginning. Uh, yeah. All right, well, let's get Brett Kelly in here, and we'll talk about the rest of the news today. Okay, here to talk some baseball and NASCAR, we welcome back to the program, Brett Kelly. Brett, how are you? Pretty good. How are you? I am not as good as I could be after that Indianapolis race at, for the NASCAR Cup Series. I would have to agree with you. We have some, stu- we have some stuff to talk about. So, I thought the race was great. Although, before about 10 laps to go, they threw a debris caution for a Rick Ware circus car that had an, a crush panel fall out and, like, was sitting on the racetrack. So we can thank Rick Ware for that. Everyone give a round of applause for Rick Ware. So. Best team in the, best team in the NASCAR Cup Series. Oh, yeah. They, they, they have a, they pop champagne after they finish 25th. So, now, that, that brought out a caution with, I believe, Pendigo. And um, that just shook everything up, really. Uh, the, the whole cautions breed cautions idea really showed after the um after they came in through that first effort uh, from that restart and that cautions cr- in turn one just shook everything up ev- restarts in turn one just shook everything up every caution that that, that might be a new candidate for the hardest turn in NASCAR because they were Maybe, going in yeah. there three and four rows deep three wide four wide it was yeah. Insane. And someone was getting punted into the grass, if not, like, five people. Ha-ha, <laughs> the 14. <laughs> so, um, now, now, I mean, and then we went go to turn six. The curb was taking a beating the whole race. They yeah. had, I, I don't think NBC showed it, but they discussed the, um, the track crew working on it in, after stage two ended. They did some maintenance on the curb, and then when it went through for this restart, I believe Martin Truex Jr. hit it. And he ran over something, and it, I, I think it killed a tire. And then Christopher Bell, his teammate, was behind him, gave him a little help, and he spun it into the inside wall. There's debris going everywhere. It's like it flew out of a pinata. There's, it's, I, 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 I found it so hard to believe 
that NASCAR would not throw a caution when the entire turn is filled with metal. It's insane to me. I'm, and did you see the caution earlier in the race? There's a piece of metal, like, I don't know, like... It's not, like, it's not even, it's a little bit out of the racing groove, 10, and they throw a caution. 15 feet outside. But when there's stuff the all over the track, which is where everyone's running, nope, we'll let it go, no and caution, then no we'll wreck 15 cars next time we go around. Like, that was a Talladega-style wreck. Yeah. <laughs> well, not exactly a humongous pile-up, because nobody was really piled Like, there were some up. destroyed cars. There, I mean, the 22, some, the 99, The 99 24. was destroyed. The 99 so it was, was abolished. I, I can't with that. But, I mean, and I'm just, I'm just, I, I have no words that they did not throw a caution when the 19 had the incident. There's debris everywhere, and I put blame on the corner spotters. NASCAR has corner spotters in every turn of the racetrack, and these guys can't do their job. Yeah. We, we saw it in New Hampshire. There's, they start the rain, they start the, um, the race while it is raining. There are drivers saying, there is rain, it is raining. And then it is their fault when they go into turn one and Kyle Busch, the leader, wrecks the 19, the 11, the 42. They all wreck. Good cars torn up because of NASCAR and the corner spotters who can't see that it was raining when they started the race. It's terrible. And these people need to start doing their jobs or they need to find some other system to do it because they're terrible at what they're doing. And I, I don't see any other system to doing this. Like, do you put rain meters on the track? I, don't, I, 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 I think, think they have a, a they have a slight system for that, like to find like lightning and other other weather. But I mean, you, you'll ha- you'll ask the drivers. They, they, they monitor all what the drivers say, like if there's if the if there's debris that they can't see. But I mean, let's be real. The corner spotters can't see much of anything. Now, I mean, the, the 19 also he pounded the fence pretty hard. He did. He did. So, I don't know. But then the next time around, they come by, and the curb blows apart. The 24, uh, William Byron hits it. 24, 18, And the 18, 22, 22 99, uh, 37, 26, they all pile in. And this is a red... Then they, they go under the red flag. The car's out of the race, and... You know, I don't like Joey Logano. I don't like the way he raises, but I was scared after that hit he took. That was a yeah. massive hit into the inside wall. That wasn't good. That, that wasn't. I mean, no matter how bad you hate a guy, you never want to see any. No, no, you never want to see injuries. Injured. No. I mean, that, I mean, he said in his uh, interview at the care center that the tires really absorbed a lot of that hit, and that was good. I mean, I, I don't like the guy, but I'm really happy to see he's okay. And that was just another another situation that... Because NASCAR did not throw the caution the last time around, which is just inexcusable, they they, t- they tear up good race cars. I mean, I think the 24, the 18, Byron and Kyle Busch were both running top five. Logano's top ten. I mean, it's just inexcusable. But at, at least they make a good call. They, they take the curb out under the red flag, and I think yeah. that's like a 20-minute red flag. The... Um, they resume the race and I, I think they I think they should have done I think they should have examined that whenever Truex spun out to the inside. I think they should have looked into that much further. I, I mean I think the drivers were reporting it was peeling up most of the race, but um that I think the twenty four it just came apart. Like it was just destroyed. Yeah. Metal everywhere and stuff. It was not a good situation. But after that they go to the first green-white checker restart, and they come back into turn six, and 34 of Michael McDowell hits the hits um the uh, little, like, ramp thing almost 
where to prevent drivers from just cutting the corner completely and carrying a really high speed. And he hits it and goes almost airborne. I think he only had one one tire on the ground. I did see that, actually. And um, I think the three of Austin Dillon and the eight of Tyler Reddick, who we both talked about on this podcast last week as needing to get points. And uh, Reddick had swept the stages. He played a really good strategy. Yeah. and uh, but, but Dillon mashed him almost point for point. I mean, he was yeah. second Dylan in one was stage. second and third. Yeah, I mean. Second and fourth. Second and third. I mean, and Dylan, uh, for what, to Reddick, winning both. Very good strategy for both those RCR cars, but they both wrecked in that. I mean, Reddick was able to stay out there, I believe. He came in with 21st, and Dylan was 31st. Mm-hmm. So that's a couple points. I think the, tw- the difference to the cut line is now 28 points, which is not impossible to do. No, not, not at all. Um, but, yeah, that was another big wreck. NASCAR to throw the caution and um, go to the second green-white checker restart. And there's a lot of stuff to talk about here. Chase Briscoe forced into the grass. Cuts the corner and is given a stop and go penalty from NASCAR. I listened to the radio, and the the uh, the race director clearly says post the fourteen stop and go penalty, and um, the spotter I believe tells tells Briscoe and he says okay where's turn ten because you're just supposed to do a stop and go penalty, in uh, in turn ten Briscoe he comes back on the track side by side for the lead with Denny Hamlin, and is running second when they come towards where he's supposed to do a penalty, and. Then he wrecks Danny Hamlin. Yeah. I saw this as a blatant wreck. There's, he's, I mean, he's on a straightaway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're going to make it less obvious, do it in a corner. But Do it while you're inside on a corner. Yeah, I mean, he if, was... If you're outside on a corner, then that's... It was a blatant wreck. It was almost saying, well, you've put me in the grass, and I won't win, so now you won't win either. Right. So, I mean, I... They, he, and Bob Pockers also said, reported that in the race rundown... Briscoe is marked as not running but parked, so that is actually in the rule book. As if a lapped car, uh, if a lapped car or a penalized car like interferes with the leader, then they could be parked or uh, penalized at, with the with the official's discretion. We saw that with Matt Kenseth and Joey Logano at Martinsville in 2015. Yeah. Kenseth was parked for the rest of that race, but his car was destroyed wrecking Logano, so it didn't really matter. And the rest of the next race. He, that is true. That. He was suspended for the next race. I believe that's a, that was a Phoenix race. Yeah. But uh, I did not know that Briscoe was parked, and I'm not surprised. That was a blatant, intentional wreck. But, I mean, it made it exciting. And here comes A.J. Allmendinger, who now has the lead, and pulls off one of the, best, one of the greatest upsets of uh, the season. Which is not saying a lot because there's been a few upsets this season. I mean, just uh, your comments on that race. What did uh, anything I missed there? How do you just react to that? Nothing you really missed. I mean, you covered it all really. It not. I I don't think you really paid attention to the um first like <laughs> in front of the fir- in front of the last twenty laps. My bad. Um, but from the 2015 laps on, that's when it all started to kick off, and I, nothing really happened for the lead between, like, I don't know, like, three and the final lap, which I... Yeah, I think Ryan Blaney ended up finishing second, and he was not in a position to right. get Almendinger. I, I, I was looking for a, a more exciting finish. I, I really was. I was hoping... I mean, I think he got I one. Hoping. I mean, the last lap was mostly uneventful. I mean, Almendinger right. just had to hold off Blaney to right. win. 
But I think he definitely got an exciting finish. True. But I was looking for, like, um, last chance into, like, the... What is that one corner? That one breaking zone, 13. Yeah, 13. Yeah. 13th corner. Well, I was hoping for, like, a get underneath him, get... get just a little bump and run. Bump yeah. him, get out. Um, I don't and know. Then, I was happy to see Omendinger win, but he is... I mean, if you look at some of the upsets that have happened in the last few years, I, we talked about this before we started recording. There was Eric Almirola, New Hampshire, yeah. this year. Th- this was shocking. I mean, Eric Almirola had no career wins on a non-super speedway, and he goes out and just wins New Hampshire off speed, not what? even on, like, a rain delay or anything. Well, there was rain. Well, there was rain, but, like, I mean, but, but I'm not going to count, like, Justin Haley at Daytona. <laughs> that Not that, like, kind of rain. Right. But, I mean, Br- like, not Briscoe, but uh, Chris Busher, Pocono, 2016. He, uh, he was good that race, but I think rain was a slight factor in that. I'm not sure. Casey Kane, Brickyard, uh, Indianapolis, 2017, at this, this race in 2017. It was that, that, but, if I, but if I do remember correctly, that race was kind of a wreck fest. Like, the 78 car, Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch took, it, took each other out racing for the lead in that race. Keslowski missed the restart, which allowed Kane to get up and win that race. And he that was his last year with Hendrick Motorsports, I believe. He was he had not been having a very good season, but at least he had a little last hurrah. Kane? Yeah, Casey Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh trying to think. I'm I'm not really counting like the super speedway races. Right, like McDowell. Mc, like McDowell, Justin Haley, like Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um but I mean if you look if you think more about Almondinger He's had an eventful career, to say the least. Eventful, yeah. He, he started out with JTG Doherty Racing with the, in the 47 car, which is now held by Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yeah. He won Watkins Glen in 2014 for his first cup win. Really? And after that, he really didn't have a like good stretch. He struggled to put races together and was let go by JTG Doherty. And I think he went into retirement for a few years until he came back with Colleg Racing last year in the Xfinity Series as a part-time deal. And when they decided to run a few cup races this year, he was tagged as a guy that would drive the car for a few of them. And now goes out and wins. Colleg Racing's first cup series win. I have an interesting stat about Colleg Racing. They are the first non-charter team to win a cup race since the charter system was uh, come. It was, since, the, since they were first implemented the charter system in, I believe, 2017. So the first non-charter team to win a Cup race. Yeah, I believe race. it. I believe it. Crazy, crazy. Um, so what do you what do you guys say on AJ Allmendinger winning that race? Um, again, really like it. Everyone loves to see the underdog win. Of course. I mean, if 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 you come to watch a game or a race or whatever you're going to, and you're like, okay, I want the better team to win. If that's not your favorite team, then I don't know what you're doing. True. The underdog. And AJ Allmendinger was. I mean, he didn't. Like, he didn't. He the, ran pretty well he, all day. He did. I think he had a he had a speeding penalty early in the race, but I mean, he was running like around tenth, like eight to tenth most of the day. Right, but going into that race, who expected AJ Allmendinger to win? I don't know. I mean, he's he's famously very good at road courses, but I don't yeah, think very many yeah. people thought he could beat like a Kyle Larson or Chase Elliott. Yeah. Who finished behind him in this race? Third and fourth, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we'll move on to baseball. 
the Field of Dreams game. I know you didn't yes, watch, yes, but I loved it. I like it. I love it. I want more of it. And so does Major League Baseball because they're going back next year. But here's the catch with much worse teams. The White Sox and the Yankees, two of the best teams in baseball, and they put on a great show. With um the with the the White Sox having a chance to close out the game in the ninth inning, John Carlos Stanton comes up and hits a hits a bomb to put the Yankees ahead by one until Tim Anderson comes up in the bottom of the ninth and hits a home run to win it for the White Sox. Dramatic. It was awesome. I love this game. But they're going back next year, and I love that. It's gonna be great. But it's with the Cubs and the Reds. And I know you can't do it, like, every year with the White Sox, who, like, were the famous team from the, like, from that Field of Dreams right. movie. Like, the nine men out. Yeah, the, the Black Sox eight players. Eight men out, my bad. But I, I, I don't know. The Cubs are gonna, not going to be good, and the Reds, I don't know. They're going to be a question mark. So, I mean, maybe people are going to see, like, the field and the Field of Dreams, which is still amazing. I, I thought they did an amazing job on, that, on like, the field. It yeah. looks awesome. Uh, maybe their reasoning is that the Reds are the oldest team in baseball. That may be their reasoning, that, as the Cubs are also been around for a long time. That would be somewhat smart. Mm. But here's what I would have done. I would have put, like, a rivalry team. I would have put, like, the Dodgers and the Giants. Yeah. Or the Cardinals and the Cubs. Or, like, the Cardinals and the Brewers. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you want to stay NL Central, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd put the Brewers in there. Yeah. Now, one thing I just thought about for some oddball reason, there aren't actually a lot of dramatic baseball scenes from that movie, Field of Dreams. It's true. I mean, there are a lot of great scenes like Moonlight Graham, all that. A, a great movie. Haven't seen it. You have to see it. Really good movie. It's a pretty good movie. But there aren't a lot of dramatic baseball scenes. Um... Yeah. It's a, um, I mean, just that game was just, it was one of the most uh, hyped up things on this MLB season, and it certainly lived up to it. Yeah. So I'm happy to see if they're going back, for sure. I am definitely, definitely excited for that. And, um, I don't know, maybe that could be, maybe that could be a team's home field, just so we can see that all the time. No, I'm just kidding, but that'd be awesome. Um, back to NASCAR for a second. Uh, what are you expecting at Michigan this weekend? Not a pretty straightforward track, but what do you expect there? Um, I don't know. Kyle Busch ran well last year. Um, Larson. I'm holding up five fingers right now because that's who's going to win this race, Kyle Larson. I'm telling you right now, he is not stoppable. Well, unstoppable, but I said that wrong, but I don't see anybody in the field who could beat him right now, and that's me as a Kyle Busch fan, as a Chase Elliott, like, I'm, I'm high on him, I, I think Denny Hamlin will win, but I don't think anyone can beat Kyle Larson, especially at Michigan, one of his best tracks. Yeah, Kyle Larson run really well at Michigan, Kevin Harvick, who has run well at Michigan, has had a down I was just going to mention him. Very down you this year. I was um, gonna ask you, what do you think has played into Kevin Harvick's struggles this year? If you had to pick something, I mean, age maybe. I I don't really know. That is, it's. I, th- I think it's a little bit mysterious because you don't see people like some guys with age. They'll ha- most guys with age. They'll have like a slow demise. Kevin Harvick has been like. 
dropping off a stair instead of like I down mean, a ramp. From nine wins to zero, it's pretty 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 severe. Yeah. But um, I I think I think something that um that's really stopped the four car is um as like some of the mechanical things they've had because Stuart Haas Racing, you can see they had an advantage for a little bit of last year. I don't know what something was probably in the cars that had better, but. I mean, the emergence of Hendrick Motorsports this year as well has yeah. probably set them back. Those four, the four Hendrick cars have outrun the Stu, every Stu Haas car. Yeah. Most of the most of the time, like I think all four are higher than than the highest Stu Haas car in points. That's Harvick. Harvick is ninth in points. He's fifteenth in the playoff standings, and all four Hendrick guys have a win. No one at Stu Haas has a win. Well, no, er, no, Emerald does. Emerald does. But yeah, uh, but but he's but uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, age definitely could be a factor with Harvick. He's 45. I mean, if you look at some of the guys who retired recently, Jimmy Johnson, 46. Like, Clint Boyer, 41. Uh, Matt Kenseth was 48. But he came, But he already retired. He just came back to drive that 42 car for a little bit. Yeah. So I, we'll, we'll keep talking about Kevin Harvick on this podcast until start to see something that's like shades of him from last year. And I have not seen anything. So... Now, one more NASCAR topic before we let you go. Um, who are you? Do who do you think will be the first four out of the playoffs if the playoff standings stay as they are right now, with Reddick in and Dylan out, and no new winners? Who else there? I don't really have a clear picture. Of so here, I'll give you mine first. I'll give you mine first. I I think there's two obvious ones: McDowell and Almirola. McDowell's in. Well, yeah, because he won the Daytona 500. Yeah. So I mean, McDowell's out. Almirola is out. I now see. I think it comes down to the the last two for Reddick. Of course, I mean, it's the sixteenth guy in points. He's not gonna have a very big advantage with right. playoff with like playoff points and stuff. Um, Harvick. I mean, we, I mean, we're at a few of his best tracks. I mean, Darlington. He won the Bristol Night Race last year, but I don't. I think. I think guys are outrunning him. Yeah. Like, I I think all four Hendrick cars make it. All four Gibbs cars make it. Um, right. Yeah. Do all three Penske cars make it? I have serious doubt in Brad Keselowski. Yeah. If Brad Keselowski keeps running the way he is right now, he's going out. No question. Yeah. I don't think he's at a top ten since Loudon, and before that, it was even longer. Mm-hmm. Loudon, New Hampshire being. Yeah. But, um... So, if I had to pick four, I'd say McDowell, Amarola, Reddick, and Keselowski. Yeah. Two two obvious ones, and then the last two to make it. I mean, not the last two. I mean, Keselowski's been... He won He won Talladega. He's run okay. Yeah, Wait, so... Har- Har- Harvick and Reddick, or Reddick and Keselowski, or Harvick and Keselowski? Yeah. I mean, so... Who, who, which one? Uh, no, which I'm one? saying Keselowski. Because last he won Talladega, if that's what you're talking about. But, yeah, so my four, McDowell, Amarola, Reddick, Kozlowski, who are your four? Um, McDowell and Amarola are obviously in. Um, or out. Or my bad, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um. It's hard, because, I mean, after them, the, the rest of the playoff field is pretty good. It is. And... We haven't seen a lot of Reddick. 
Um, I think he he has like he, I think he has twelve top tens this year. I saw this morning. He's yeah. been very good. He has run very good, but in the playoffs we haven't seen that much of him. True. I mean, he's um, not, this is his second season. He's making a real step back from a step up from his first season. Yes. Been much like better. Like most rookies do. That's true. I mean, look at Bell. Yeah, Bell's been. I think I think Bell will make it to second round. I think all four Gibbs cards, all four Hendrick cards, uh, the two Penske cards except Kislowski, um. And everyone else? I mean, I think Harvick makes it by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. I'd... He has that slight advantage over uh, uh, Reddick. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a 15. 75 points right now is the advantage. So if Harvick doesn't do that well in these next few races... I mean, and considering he's not a good plate racer, he could easily rack at Daytona and have a right. points, points cut. And then if Reddick or... We haven't considered Dylan yet. Dylan's out. In this hypothetical scenario, Dylan is yeah. out. Yeah. But we haven't considered Dylan yet. So true, if, true. If Dylan does really well at Daytona and Harvick wrecks and Reddick wrecks, then you are, if like. What Redick, if Dylan wins? Like, if or Dylan what if a. Or wins. like, like I talked about last week on the podcast, what if a Ross Chastain or a Bubba Wallace wins? That's definitely a scenario that is yeah. possible. And it would change the whole concept of the field. Uh, the playoff field, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's yes. what Yeah. Playoff field. I mean, but I mean, I, I think Richard Childress talked about, like, but, like, how the two cars are racing each other. And he said they both need, I think he said they, of some of the sort, I'm paraphrasing, they both need to be, they both need to run well. Because if someone else outruns them, or not, not someone else outruns them, but if someone else wins, they're both out. Right. So, if someone else that's close there, like a Bubba, wins, and Dylan and uh, Reddick, Reddick, both wreck. I. They're both out. Yeah, they're done. I mean, it's not. It's like it's almost like last year. I mean, last year Custer, you saw, you know, Custer was going to be out, right. and you knew, um, uh. Amarola, not Amarola, uh, Byram is probably going to be out. Yep. But everyone else, I mean, you, was, you didn't really know. I mean, people were picking Clint Boyer, Matthew Vendetto to be out. I think Matthew Vendetto eventually was out, but he's probably not going to make it unless he wins. Who? Matthew Vendetto. Yeah. He's, and he's, he's been, he's racing for his life. He, he lost his job at Wood Brothers. It's going to be Harrison Burton in that car next year with, uh, Cindric going to the two car as, Pen- as, a. Uh, Kozlowski left to go to Roush, mm-hmm. which um, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan of. I think Roush is... Well, Roush is on the upside. They're, they can't possibly get worse than what they were last year. But, th- th- I mean, this year, busher has been better. Newman's been on the lead lap. I don't think he's been, like, contending, but he's been on the lead lap. busher has been top 15 consistently, but he probably won't make the playoffs unless he wins because, he, because everyone else is winning. Mm-hmm. Busher could have pointed his way in, but... Probably not now because everyone's winning. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going off on a little bit of a tangent there, but that will do it for the guest segment this week. That was a pretty long one. Yeah. <laughs> so, Brett, thank you for joining us. We'll talk again anytime, soon. Anytime, anytime.